Uh, good morning, folks. Thanks for joining us again online this morning, and uh, I hope that you are finding rest and that you are studying the book of Mark along with us today. Uh, we find ourselves in Mark chapter 5, and uh, Jesus has gotten the disciples' attention. He has uh, calmed the storm, and he has taken them from one side of the lake to the other, and and they're asking a lot of questions about who is this man, what is he capable of, what is he really here for, and we talked about some of that last week, that, that as you are in the middle of what's going on in your life, have you really gone to Jesus, and, and are you really prepared to ask some of the hard questions about what it is that he is capable of doing in your life? So after he gets his disciples' attention, he takes them across this lake across this big body of water, and we find another pretty appropriately timed passage, because Jesus is going to teach his disciples why he's really here. He taught them kind of who he was while they're in the middle of this lake, and shows the, the dominion that he holds over this world, and this story shows us of his compassion and of his real purpose for being here, as Jesus walks through barriers to love us. So if you're following along in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, you'll see that they went across the lake to the region of the Gezerines. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Now this is a pretty graphic description that Mark paints of, of someone's torment, someone's situation in life. And and you need to understand that there's at least three different barriers that Jesus walks through when he takes his disciples to this shore. And this man comes running out of the tombs, as we'll see in a minute, to meet them. There are three different things that are articulated here in these first five verses. First of all, they're in another region. It's, it's a totally different people group. These are not Jewish folks. And, and so the men in these boats thought, well, this is the Messiah for the Jewish people, why are we going to these other places? Why is he not continuing to teach inside of the temples? And what's, what is he doing? What do we need to learn? So he goes to another region, another people group, and he walks through that barrier first by just going to this, to this other area. Secondly, the man that he sees first is tormented by impure, unclean spirits. This is a man that, is, that has been possessed, as we would use that word today. He has an unclean spirit, an impure spirit that is tormenting him day and night and making him cry out and, and giving him uh, unworldly power and strength physically. Um, he is totally tormented in the way in which he lives his life. All night long, they hear him, they see him do these things to himself. And, and we need to understand that for another day entirely, that, that Satan and his demons have this ability to do things inside of this world that, that we don't often understand. 
And, and we need to take this at face value, that there was an impure, unclean spirit that had, that had taken possession of this man's physical body here in this world. But we're going to see why it was so important for Jesus to walk through that barrier as well to demonstrate his power there. The third thing that Jesus does is he greets this man and he was living in tombs. So in part of the Jewish law and Jewish customs, they were not allowed to be around a dead body. And the tombs would have been a place that would have been a forsaken place, something that, that would not have been a place for, for a man of Jesus' standing to be involved with let alone to, to spend time uh, talking with this man who lived among dead bodies. They would have been unclean, and he would not have been able to, to fellowship, to be in the temple, other things. It would have made him unclean to be around this man. So this man, first of all, is from another people group. He is tormented by an evil spirit, by an unclean spirit, and he has been around these dead bodies and living among the tombs. And so there's three different things that Jesus has to walk through just to have a conversation with this man. I need you to understand those barriers and to think about them and to see how Jesus trumps all of those with compassion and love. He walks through them because he doesn't see the barriers. He sees the man. Several times throughout the New Testament, you will hear Jesus criticize the religious leaders of the day for propping up barriers, for, for creating obstacles for the people to come to God. Jesus is demonstrating by his own volition, by his own life right here, that none of these barriers should matter that that man has created, that he's going to walk through all of those barriers based on his compassion and his love for this man. So if you follow the story then into 6 through 10, verses 6 through 10 of Mark chapter 5, when he saw Jesus, when this man coming out of the tomb saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him and he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied. For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. Here we find another passage, if you've been reading along, where these unclean spirits, where these demons, where these uh, proponents of Satan have recognized Jesus and his authority. The first thing these demons do, they don't clamor to, to take possession of this man. They, they say, don't cast us clear out of this area. We got good things going on here. And they recognized who he was. They acknowledged his authority. And first of all, you need to understand this is a key point for life. 
to recognize who Jesus is and acknowledge his authority. Even the demons inside of this man, even these unclean spirits that had, that had driven this man to live in the tombs, to cut himself, to be angry with the world, they recognized who Jesus was. They acknowledged his authority. They knew he was more powerful than they were. Just as the disciples were understanding, right? As they calm the storm around them and Jesus does those things, they're asking, who is this man? These demons already knew. And they cry out and say, don't cast us out of this area. They recognize who he was and they acknowledge his authority. Jesus walks through these three different earthly separations to come face to face with the man that he has compassion on. And these unclean spirits start to, to cower as he approaches them. All of the reasons for Jesus can be, could be summed up in one word as I thought about it this week. And it's, it's deliverance, right? It's the ability of Jesus and his authority to deliver us from all those things that bind us up, those barriers that we allow to be created in our life to keep us from, to, from being effective for Jesus' mission. All of those things that, that encapsulate us. This man was from another place. He was tormented by an evil spirit, and he was living in these tombs, and yet Jesus saw something in him that was useful. And if he could deliver him from the sin and the destruction that these evil spirits had for this man, then he would be useful for Jesus. How do I know that the, that the spirits, these unclean spirits, were bent on destruction? Well, let's look at verse 11. There was a large herd of pigs feeding on a nearby hillside. Now, this is how I know he's no longer in a land of Jewish origins as well, right? Because if you know anything about the Jews, they don't take care of pigs. It is forbidden for them to, to eat any of this meat from them or even to have them around. So we know he's in another region. And then the demons are introduced again, right? The demons beg, send us into the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs, and the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. So there's two things that the, that the demons accomplish here inside of this little story. They're bent on destroying this man. Jesus comes and he delivers him. And now he's sitting dressed in his right mind. And the people are terrified that Jesus is able to do this. But the demons ask to be put into the pigs. And their bent is still on destruction. And so they take those pigs and they plunge them into the lake. And they destroy the lives of that livestock. 
They, they run them right into a lake and destroy them. Not only do they destroy, destroy the pigs, but they now create an animosity, an enmity between the people of that region and Jesus. Because Jesus now has to deal with the fact that he has hurt their livelihood. And those people are begging that they would, that they would leave the region, that Jesus would leave because he's now hurt their livelihood because they raise these pigs for, for a life. This is what they do. And so Jesus has now begun to set himself up as one that not only has the power over these demons and can change a life, they see this man that is in his right mind, but he, they also know these demons were cast out and he put them into our pigs and he's, they've, he's created this tension in the region where he is right now. And the people are terrified. They don't know what to do with him. The demons were, were bent on destruction and they had their way. They destroyed the pigs and now they've destroyed even Jesus' capability of reaching these people because he's set up as someone who has destroyed their livelihood. And yet, they're terrified more, it says, right, that that this man that they knew with the incredible strength, with the torturous cries, with cutting himself, that's how he was defined, is now sitting among them, dressed and in their right mind. They don't know what to do with this. They've seen this, this pretty spectacular thing, and all they can think of is they want Jesus to leave because he's turned their world upside down. He's changed the way they see things and they understand he's capable of doing things that, that they don't understand. What does it all mean for you and I? This is a pretty, pretty incredible thing that Jesus is doing with his disciples. Again, he got their attention by calming the sea. Who is this man? And then he takes them across. And says, what is he going to do? He enters a region that they're unfamiliar with, that they probably would have been unwilling to do. I'm sure they were scared to death knowing the prohibitions that stood between them and this man. That he was from another country, that he didn't believe any of their Jewish laws, that he lived among the tombs and they had this, this evil spirit, let alone his physical body had been cut by stones and now they're on the other side of this whole story, and as disciples are watching this unfold, in verses eight through eighteen through twenty, the last two three verses of this passage that we're going to look at today. So as Jesus is getting back into the boat, because now the folks there are upset with him, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. He wanted to go with Jesus and stay with him. Look, you changed my life. I want to stay with you. But Jesus says, go to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so the man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And they were all amazed. Jesus demonstrated by the power of one changed life how he could turn the world upside down. That he could use this one man. And, and so as you read this passage and you get to the Decapolis, that's not a city, that's a region. That's not, a, that's not one little place. That is, a, that is a collection of 
10 cities, a decapolis. So a decapolis is 10 different cities that are united together. And this man, Jesus says, go to your own people. Tell them about me. Remember, inside of the other part of the world, right, he's still telling the Jewish folks, don't go tell anybody, right? Keep my name a secret. But as he goes across to this region, he walks through this barrier to another people group, into the tombs, he deals with this man with an unclean spirit, and then he tells him, go tell everybody what I've done, that I am here, and I have the power to change lives. And he sends this man back to his own people to tell them of the mercy that, that, that he has shown, that he walked through all of these barriers. Whatever prohibited Jesus was thrown aside, and he walked through them to demonstrate this most powerful tool in spreading God's message. The most powerful tool is you. It's the power of a changed life. Jesus walked through every one of those barriers for you too. To come to a different people group. To see someone that was going to be tormented and, and bothered by things that distract us. And, and he continues to walk through those barriers to reach you. The thing I want you to think about this week. As you watch Jesus walk through these barriers and he knows, you know very clearly that he is changing lives, that he has the power to change a life and that that power needs to be, needs to be leveraged to tell other people because he sends this man back to his own people. What barrier in your life needs to be overcome this week? What is the barrier that is holding you back from sharing the power of your changed life. Do you really believe that Jesus changed your life? Do you believe that you needed to be delivered? Have you boiled it down to the place where you understand completely, yes, I was caught up in sin and guilt and frustration and, and consumerism and whatever it is that the barrier is between you and Jesus that he is willing to walk through and change your life. The power of a changed life is how you can affect this world to allow Jesus to continue to use you to tell other people of the mercy that he had on your life and how he changed your life. What barrier is preventing you? You see, in our world today, we're being colonized into smaller and smaller groups we continue to find more and more people that think exactly like us and we continue to boil that group down until we have a group of people that only thinks like us. And then we can commune with them and spend time with them and never have to engage other ways of thinking or culturalisms or anything else. But that's not what Jesus had in mind. He walked through all of those barriers for a bigger purpose. And that was to change the eternal destination of everybody in our world. To walk through all those cultural norms, all of those barriers that we set up between people groups, all those philosophical ideas that divide us need to be laid aside so that the power of a changed life can be leveraged for Jesus' mission. 
Jesus got the disciples' attention by showing them who he was, and he had dominion over this whole world. And then he showed them what he was going to be about. That I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out to new and different people. I'm going to go across all barriers, and I'm going to reach out and change people's lives so that then they can go and share with the people that are around them the power of a changed life. There are people groups, there are cultural groups, there are work environments, there are things that I will never have an opportunity to get into to tell them about Jesus. But as a collective church and as a group of believers that, that understand the power of a changed life, we can impact all of those areas if you are willing to overcome some of those barriers in your life that are stopping you from sharing how Jesus has had mercy on you and demonstrating the power of a changed life. I'm going to pray for you. And I want you to seriously consider what it is that, that you're wrestling with right now in your heart. If God is calling you to, to, to surrender to his will, first of all, to understand and recognize Jesus' deliverance in your own life, then pray that he delivers you. Thank him for salvation and for changing your eternity. If Jesus has already done that for you, then I pray that the barriers that, it, that have built up in your life, you would examine them this week. What is stopping me from sharing with other people the power of Jesus in my own life? Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for using us. Thank you for... Incredible examples like this. Father, thank you for sending Jesus through all of the barriers to reach me. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to live in such a way that we bring glory and honor to his name because we're willing to look more and more like him as we, as we get rid of all these barriers in our lives. And we share the good news of grace and mercy that you have given to us. Lord, I pray that we embrace that as a lifestyle, that you would give us courage and strength and, and that you would allow us to unify around something that is much higher, much greater than we can be apart. Lord, that we unify around Jesus' name. And in that name, I pray for all of these folks that are listening. Amen.